inventors and their inventions. Welcome to Radio Cade, a podcast from the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention in Gainesville, Florida. The museum is named after James Robert Cade, who invented Gatorade in 1965. My name is Richard Miles. We'll introduce you to inventors and the things that motivate them. We'll learn about their personal stories, how their inventions work, and how their ideas get from the laboratory to the marketplace. There's an app for that. That's what we're going to be talking about on Radio K this morning. And this morning I have with me Marlena Armstrong and Nahu Alula on our podcast. And welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So before I ask you about yourselves and sort of how you arrived at your company and what you're doing, um, Marlena, could you tell me a little bit about, first of all, what is it and what does it do? Sure. So Modernize Mobile is an app development company. That's what we primarily focus on, but we also do software development and web platforms, aka websites. And essentially every app that we do is going to be very different, but we want to help businesses engage with their clientele. We want to help entrepreneurs bring their ideas to life. So everybody's got a good idea, right? And apps are on everybody's phone, essentially, if you've got a smartphone. So the best way to act a new idea is to put it on an app and see how it takes off. Great. Um, okay. So we're going to talk later about sort of the specific apps or maybe some of the types of clients you have. And But first, I'd like to know a little bit about the two of you and how you ended up doing this, sort of what your paths were towards this company. So Marlena, why don't we start with you? Where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like, education and that sort of stuff? All the fun stuff. Yeah. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, All throughout high school, I loved debate and public speaking and just spending my weekends talking about worldly topics that had a pro and a con, and I was going to tell you which one was right. So that was my favorite thing to do for sure. Had a great family, just my mom and my dad and myself, a few dogs here and there. And what made you choose the University of Florida? So it's kind of funny. For a while, I was very resistant. I was like, Everybody from my high school is going to UF. I'm not going. And I wanted to be a broadcast journalist for quite a while. And I decided on UCF because they were close to Disney and Disney owns ESPN. So why not? But I ended up deciding on UF because it's the number one public school in, in Florida. It was the obvious choice. And my mom was not going to let me attend a subpar college. Uh, not to put down UCF. UCF's a great school. <laughs> For our non-Florida listeners, UCF is University of Central Florida in Orlando. So. Yes. That is a good school, and it's growing quite a bit. But you decided on University of Florida in Gainesville. Yes, I did. Did you already know what you wanted to study when you got here, or did you decide after you arrived? I was still stuck on journalism, but then actually my second week of school, I was taking a climate change, the science and solutions course, and I learned about the major that's provided called sustainability in the built environment. It's in the College of Design, Construction, and Planning, and that is where my passions really lie because how we've been doing things for a long time is not sustainable. It's not long-lasting, and there are 
millions of ways that we can change our habits, the materials we use, how much of our resources that we use. And I mean, apps actually fall right into that because you're not using paper anymore. None of what we do is really on paper other than jotting down a few notes here and there. Everything is web-based. So that in and of itself is a pretty sustainable solution. So that's where my passions lie. Uh, now who you're from Atlanta, so, uh, did you grow up in Atlanta? Yes, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Decatur to be exact, but they're the same thing, basically. And what brought you to Gainesville? So, university. So, I during my um, applications for college, I applied to probably 10, 20 schools. And uh, University of Florida actually wasn't on my radar because in Georgia, we have a, an equivalent scholarship of the Bright Futures called the HOPE Scholarship, mm -hmm. and it's basically the same thing. So, for for me, going to University of Georgia pretty much took the cake from going to University of Florida, but Florida offered me a really good scholarship, and UGA didn't have an engineering program at that time. So it was either Georgia Tech then or University of Florida, but I remember Georgia Tech had crazy amounts of horror stories of 89% of people losing that HOPE scholarship within two years. And, oh, really? And it's just very rigorous to get through. And that's because Georgia Tech is like a top three, top four engineering, perennial engineering school for years running, whereas MIT and Caltech take the number one spot. So they kind of have what I consider like the, they have to prove themselves school. So they kind of push their students more rigorously. And did you know from the get-go that you wanted to go into engineering? So I was, I knew I wanted to do something math-oriented in science because my, my whole family is very math-oriented. Okay. Um, um, but I wasn't 100% sure, and I did want a social life, so that ruled out Georgia Tech. And then UGA didn't have engineering, so then naturally the University of Florida seemed like a, a safe bet. So you anticipated my next question. I was going to ask both of you, any of your parents or siblings go into information technology or engineering, the, those general fields? Well, well, my dad is a biostatistician for okay. the CDC. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he's very much science. Which is headquartered in Atlanta. Right? Yes, correct. So he's very much ma uh, math and science. Um, and in my opinion, the most difficult of all the academic disciplines is statistics, bar none. Um, <laughs> but so he's seen the highest levels of that. But nothing like digital or technical information relating to, really. And Marlene, how about you? Sure. So... Every tech company, you have to have multiple roles, right? And so my primary role is business development, marketing, and sales of that sort. So my mom, she is the director of marketing at this company called Solera, and she does automotive marketing. And so she definitely opened my eyes to that aspect of the world. And then joining forces with Nahu, I've definitely been able to engage in that tech side um, and learn a little bit more about IT services. So when you have marketing questions, do you call up your mom or does she offer you unsolicited advice and you say, no, I got it? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. She has uh, been a huge help and a big supporter of everything that I do. So let's talk a, a bit about Modernize Mobile now. Is this a company that you joined or did you found? And then tell me how it got started. So um, I've been coding really for over 10 years. Really, I fell in love with coding in my AP computer science class in high school. And from there, I've just been um, not exploring a lot of securities testing and penetration testing and network security and stuff like that. About three, four years ago, I caught wind of this thing called the Gainesville Dev Academy, run by Duncan Cabanu and Kevin Robertson. And after contacting them, we found a way to get me into that class. And it was a fast track class for iOS coding, Swift. And we had two excellent professors for about three and a half months, five nights a week for three to four hours a night. And we learned Swift. It was a crash course test in Swift and a lot of the third party softwares and stuff that go along. 
And a couple months after that, I assembled a team of engineers and statisticians, statistics students who were near me, and we had three or four co-founders at that time. And at that time, it was the beginning of the summer, I also was in this program called Startup Quest, of which I was in the same group with Marlena. And Marlena was kind of leading the entire group, and she presented for us, led the business plan. That program, by the way, was where we had to spend 10 weeks creating a mock business plan for a mock company that was based on real research. And ours was based on ovarian cancer and a rare protein that had been able to be used to diagnose it in stage one. And Marlena crushed the whole presentation and the business plan. And I was really in awe of her. And I asked her if she would grace us and be part of the company and the startup. She's basically a co-founder because it was right after the fledgling stages is when she joined. Um, and right when Marlena came in, she provided us with a massive spark. And we have never looked back since. Wow, if you ever need anybody to do a eulogy or oh, say, <laughs> say it was great, okay, you sound pretty awesome. Um, so Marlena, so th this is really a kind of cool, it's sort of a testament to sort of the Gainesville startup culture. I mean, Gainesville Dev Academy, Startup Quest, those are all sort of relatively recent. Yeah. Uh, certainly when I grew up in Gainesville in the 80s, we had nothing like that. And Gainesville's startup culture didn't really begin really until probably about a dozen years ago. So it's great that we're starting to see coming out of the pipeline companies like yours. Modernize mobile. So if I understand it correctly, you have companies that come to you in any field or in any sector and they say, hey, we need an app for our business or our organization. Uh, or, or do you limit yourself to a particular sector? Absolutely. Right now we are in every industry that you can think of. We don't turn down because we're all purpose developers, software and apps. So our skills lie in whatever you can think of. So that's any industry, medical, business, banking, securities, everything. On yes. that note, I, I kind of like to use a metaphor because we're a goods and a service company, but a plumber, for example, he's not going to turn down a residential home to do the plumbing for just because he normally does commercial buildings, right? So an app company, we're not going to turn down anybody who has an app idea because we're not going to restrict ourselves to any sort of market or industry because every industry could use an app. When you have clients that call you up, how many of them know what they want? Or how many of them just simply say, I know apps are important and I know I need one, but they really have no idea what their business is going to use the app for? Are you the first line of defense against clients who don't know what they want? <laughs> uh, generally, I would say I'm the point of contact for walking them through what the process is going to be like. I'll definitely help them in understanding what features could be most beneficial for them. I would say Nahu and I do a lot of that on a day-to-day -day basis. Realistically, most people don't know what they want out of an app even though they know the general features that are in an app. We're working with somebody right now who is just kind of like, hey, I don't have a business name, I don't have a logo, I don't have anything, but I know I want an app, so can you build it? And yeah. we're like, of course we can. So we've also kind of become like a business startup kit too. We've helped a lot of entrepreneurs who have a great idea for an app and want to revolve a business around that app, but haven't started their LLC, they haven't become incorporated, they haven't thought of a logo, things like that. So we kind of help our clients through that process as well. 
Yeah, I would say the vast majority do not have a, the full they plan ready. Full they, plan. they may have yeah. some centralized or focal point feature that they know that they want. But It seems to me, too, the way that people are interacting with technology has changed. Because I, I remember the first version of businesses that interacted with the Internet. It's all about having a great website. And it strikes me that maybe that is changing now. Do you find some of your clients is like, to heck with a website. <laughs> I need an app, but you know a website's not really going to do me any good. What is your advice to those clients? clients. Do you agree with them? or? <laughs> I would say that a lot of our clients still think that they need a website, although websites are simply a little bit less effective mm-hmm. in providing the information directly to your client's hands, right? Like if you, if a client downloads your business's app, you're able to send them push notifications. So little alerts that will constantly on a day-to-day basis, let you know, hey, we have a new update or hey, we're doing a sale. Hey, we've got some coupons ponds for you. And in that way, you're engaging them more, whereas a website just stands there and you only hope that people fall upon it. Right. Kind of passive, right? It can be interactive, obviously, but an app by its very definition is yeah, definitely. Exactly. I, I would say, though, that um, the website industry is by far the most similar to the app industry. But what made that website bubble burst was the advent of the automation tools that made mm-hmm. website creation so easy. So mm-hmm. just knowing HTML didn't command six-figure salaries anymore. And that exact same thing is going to take place with apps, but because apps are much more sophisticated, they have a front end, a back end, and an API, and much more variability, that bubble burst will be significantly longer to take place. So this is a more of a technical question. This is where I betray my own ignorance about your field. So you, you can either laugh at this question or, <laughs> or answer. But it seems to me that apps are probably themselves going to be challenged by evolving, as you said, artificial intelligence. Just a small example, I recently got some Apple AirPods, right? Mm-hmm. And excited that I can now tap my Apple AirPods and tell Siri to do something. And then it occurred to me like, oh, I don't have to now get my phone out of my pocket all the time to do something, I'm just telling Siri to do it for me. How is that going to affect the app industry? Uh, gigantically. So that <laughs> good. Is, it was a good question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, that's in the category of machine learning, which is still very much in the kind of theoretical stage. Um, um, a lot of people try to like boast that they have these services and stuff, but it's still very theoretical. Only a few people are doing very sure. lightweight. Um, and in the end, I was still telling my app to do something. I yes, wasn't really exactly. Yeah, yeah. Still the app to do more it, or less. So. Yeah. But the issue with it is that there's no way around kind of brute forcing the triage of all the different kinds of scenarios. Mm -hmm. So you're coding the, the AI, but it's just very tedious. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to figure out a way to make that process faster because now a, a lot of projects now can literally take years to complete. Um, Marlena, this is obviously a crowded field, right? I mean, there are a lot of companies out there that will build somebody an app. How many clients do you have that are not in, in Gainesville, for instance? Well, we've got one client who's out in Chicago. We've got a few people dispersed throughout Florida, so not just Gainesville. But I would say that the value proposition for Modernized Mobile is that we've got a team who will talk to you all the time. You know, there's a lot of tech companies who will just give you a app or give you a website and say, okay, hope you like it, goodbye. Whereas we maintain the app, we make sure that you're marketing it well, we make sure that you're promoting it the right way because our team isn't just developers. We've got an entire social media and marketing team. We've got an entire design team that can work with you on your logo, on your color scheme, and things like that. So I would say that we are definitely a company that fills every hole that you could possibly run into. And in that way, we are just a full service company as opposed to just IT and tech. 
Do you have plans to expand or what, what's kind of your near-term goals, I guess, in the next, say, year to 18 months? Right now we have a couple team members who are establishing a branch in Miami of which we are pipelining a lot of our development to and from. So we're expanding in geography as well as in our services. So we are exploring machine learning mm-hmm. as one of our services. We've been testing out a lot of the features in that, specifically Core ML, which is a new framework that Apple released that has a lot of like pre-programmed tools, as well as blockchain. We, uh, we have a very strong medical team, too, of an electrical engineer and a couple of med students who have been exploring um, a few software to um, really help EHR systems which are electronic health record systems, Mm -hmm. to run more efficiently and safely combined with the encryption behind blockchain. Interesting. And Modernized Mobile's been around for how long? About 14 months. 14 months. Oh, okay. All right. So that's long enough in the startup culture for you all to sort of be seasoned seasoned (laughs) professionals. So when you go to these uh, startup gatherings, whether it's Startup Quest or the various things that are in Gainesville, you'll probably find yourself already being asked questions by other developers or other people who want to start businesses. What are the types of questions you're getting and, and what's the type of advice that you're dispensing now to other people trying to do something similar? Uh, well, honestly, we get a lot of like competitiveness um, <laughs> amongst the local other tech teams. A lot of great developers who kind of show off their design skills and the different languages that they're familiar with and stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, it's been like a, a healthy kind of steel sharpened steel competition we've faced with a lot of these other tech companies. I would definitely say that throughout the community when we talk about the fact that we did start a business and we've gotten this far and we've been able to brand ourselves, create a reputation that people can turn to and say, oh yeah, Modernized Mobile, they created my app, they're a great company, they got a great team. I genuinely have seen a lot of admiration just because we are young people and we are creating a company while also managing other team members, while also figuring out community events we need to go to and how we're going to start getting federal grants and things of that nature that are definitely a bit overwhelming. I think there's a common, maybe a common misconception that startup, particularly IT companies, are just a bunch of coders, right? Mm -hmm. But I think you can probably tell us, Marlena, that it's not not just coding, right? For a company to thrive, you need different skill sets. So tell me a little bit about who are the other team members that you've absolutely got to have if you really are serious about making the company grow. Surprisingly and not surprisingly, you need a social media team. You need to be promoting your company because just having developers and engineers does not get that your name out and it does not promote just how big your capacity is and how great you can be. Um, so a social media team is definitely necessary. We've also run into the fact that graphic design is huge with mobile apps and websites regardless. You need it to look good. People aren't going to use it if it doesn't look good. And so honestly, even as a role that I started to take on is just learning graphic design. I don't have a certificate in graphic design, but I sure can create an app slide that's going to look great. So acquiring those different skills just to fill those different holes and roles is really great. And then you also need a good marketing team because social media, it's there, but you need somebody to promote it. And boosting it on Facebook is not generally the only way that you want to go about that. You do want to talk to people and market it through TV and newspaper and print, however you want to do it. And then those people can see your web 
presence. So they are now seeing that, oh, you have a physical presence and you have this digital presence that's really strong. You've got a lot of depth and things of that nature. Yeah, our exposure or my exposure to the startup culture, certainly in Gainesville, is to this eye-opening realization that particularly the IT companies or the software companies really need a strong set of those sort of classical liberal art skills as well. The communication, you know, people who are strong writers, people who are strong graphic designers. I mean, I'm sure there are whole skits of this for engineers trying to explain, exactly. you know, what they do. And it's, it's the temptation to explain in engineering terms is so strong that it's really hard, I think, for companies that don't have those skill sets to address a much wider audience in which people who really don't give a damn about the code they just want to know what is this going to do for my business, for my life, etc. Absolutely. You know, as a kid, you grow up, you think that you're going to be this people's person and, and then very smart and then just very well versed. But the truth is, in order to become these kind of savants of technical genius and stuff, do you have to dedicate so much of your time to these disciplines and studies that you lose the ability to keep your kind of social skills sharpened. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare that you'll find somebody who has the ability to do the technical side and then the business side. And that's literally what I found taking place. Those people are very rare even though a lot of people would deny that. I'm going to embarrass Nahu a little bit. I will commend him for being one of those people who can do the engineering and can also do the business. I mean, originally when we first started this and we would go to meetings, he would definitely get very technical and I would kind of like tap him on the knee and, and like indicate that I'm going to take over now because we're losing them um, because their eyes are glossing over and they don't really know what we're talking about. So there was definitely a good balance between he and I for right. bringing it back to the real world, simple terms, essentially just making it more layman and helping him give him a break <laughs> from talking for so yeah, long. I think that the message is, from what I've seen, particularly in the startup community here, is a message has been received loud and clear, but sometimes too much. We see in the Cade Prize competition, uh, we'll get teams pitching ideas and they spend the first five minutes saying how they're going to change the world. And at minute six, you go like, but what is it? What is it? <laughs> exactly. so, yeah. so they've almost gone too far in the other direction. Like, you know, uh, this hazy, rosy, wonderful future in which no one will suffer. Like, okay, but I still have no idea what it is. Finding that balance is Yeah, it's important. Well, great. I'm glad to see that you all are, are making a, a go of this. It sounds like it has a lot of promise. Hope to have you back on the show after you've, you're Silicon millionaires and billionaires. And we're hitting you up for donations. But Marlena and Nahu, thank Thanks very much for joining us. Thank, thank you so you. much. Radio Cade would like to thank the following people for their help and support. Liz Gist of the Cade Museum for coordinating inventor interviews. Bob McPeak of Hartwood Soundstage in downtown Gainesville, Florida for recording, editing, and production of the podcasts and music theme. Tracy Collins for the composition and performance of the Radio Cade theme song featuring violinist Jacob Lawson. And special thanks to the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention located in Gainesville, Florida.